today in the life of our church, we are celebrating our seniors in high school. We are celebrating Stuart's retirement, and we are going to wish them well at a reception here shortly. And we have a lot to celebrate today. So we come, and each of us come here having taken a step that has brought us to this day. Each of us come here with a step that's going to take us somewhere else, possibly somewhere we're not anticipating when we leave here. So I want to concentrate on our life story today. Um, one of my favorite authors is Dan Allender. He wrote a book called To Be Told, and in that book he believes that God calls us to tell our story, and by telling our story, we tell his story. So it's important that we know what our story is. And, um, in a lot of the campus outreach programs, they teach you to have an elevator speech. Anybody ever write one of those? It's a 30-second to 60-second speech telling somebody why you believe in Jesus, why you're who you are. And it gives them insight to you in just a minute. Can you do that? I don't know if I can or not. I'm going to work on that. That's something God's calling me to do. But here we are today with our first steps, possibly some last steps that are transitioning into something new, and those steps in between. And we come and we stand before the God that made each one of us unique, fearfully, and wonderfully made. Would you read the scripture with me today? You formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all the written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. That's powerful. Um, our life begins before we're even formed. God already knows who we're going to be. You know, we joke with people and we talk about them being a twinkle in their parents' eye. We were a twinkle in God's eyes before that. Dan Allender tells us that each of our stories are to be taken seriously. And I'm going to quote him now. Take seriously the story God has given you to live. It's time to read your own life because your story is the one that could set us all ablaze. That's powerful. Remember Smokey the Bear telling us that a single match can start a forest fire? A single life can set the world on fire? Allender was asked in an interview why our stories are so important. And he said the following. He said, we were written not only to hear and tell stories, but we are a story. Our lives are composed of millions of stories, but most have been forgotten or simply don't register as important things to remember. When I say that we're a story, I'm saying that we're more than the sum of our stories we are, in fact, a unique, once-on-the-earth life that reveals the story of Jesus 
in such a way that no one else will ever do it in the way we are written to tell the story. If we fail to know the themes of our unique story, we are less likely to live that story well or play our role. That's powerful. We are once on earth life stories and every single one of us makes a difference. I asked a few friends this week what would be at the center of their story if they were to tell it and I got all kinds of answers, things like a series of unfortunate events to um, God, Jesus, finding myself through Disciple Bible Study, love, family, I think one put baseball. But each of them all came back at the end and said, yeah, it's love. Some of them messaged me. And, and though there were more themes than that given to me through the messages and whatnot, it, it, it reminded me of how unique we all are. Um, my, I'm the youngest of four, and I have two older brothers and an older sister. And they all three have a lot of similarities in their life. They all um, followed the same path in college. They all were counselors at Rock Eagle. They all were in 4-H, and here I am. And yeah, I went to the same college. And I was in 4-H, but I wasn't a counselor. And I began my career earlier than they did. And I worked and I went to school. And sometimes they looked at me and said, you're doing things the hard way. And I said, that's okay, I'm doing them my way. I said, y'all have already done that. I'm going to do something different. And now I'm watching my sister mother a child who is her youngest, who is doing his own thing, and gladly rubbing it in his older brother's faces. (laughs) We aren't the people we were when we went to kindergarten. I've had the privilege of working with pre-K and kindergarten graduation here on Friday, and I would love to bottle the excitement these kids have for life and the zest that they have. Um, and, and I wonder if they're thinking about who they're going to be. I know one of the kindergartners is already planning to go to Africa on missions, and I know that some others probably have some big dreams too. We aren't the people we were 10 years ago. We're a kindergartner. We may picture one thing for our life. When we graduate from high school, we may think we have our whole life figured out that we really know all the answers and our parents just think they do. Mark Twain made the comment that when he was growing up, his dad was a real idiot. And that when he turned 25, he looked at his dad and he said, Dad, you sure have learned a lot over my years. We get to a point when we turn around and we say, you know what, you're, you're right. I, I appreciate your stepping out. I appreciate your trying to guide me. I'm going to listen even more. When we graduate from college, we we still think we have it all figured out. And then when you turn 45 or 50 or 60 and you're facing retirement, you find you still don't have all the answers. And we have to rely on God. We may think we know 
who we will spend our life with. We may think we know what our career is going to be. I can tell you that when I was in school growing up and in high school and in college and, and early in my career, I never thought I would be standing here. I knew I'd be probably doing some mission work, but I never thought I'd be standing here. And yet God's path led me right here. And when I finally let go of mine and my path and, and what I kept going up against God on, I found that life was a whole lot better. He opened up avenues and dreams that I didn't even know I had. And they've taken me places like Israel and the Philippines. And, and if you open it up and open up your life, he'll take you places you've never dreamed as well. One of the things we have to remember is that we are created with a purpose. Our life may be the only witness to Christ that someone ever sees. They may never pick up a Bible. They may never know him any other way but through you and perhaps how you treat the waitress at Sunday lunch after you leave church or how you approach the homeless person on the street or how you treat your family members and you know the thing is our lives don't have to be perfect to testify to him because when people see him in us they see his grace because none of us are perfect none of us get it all right none of us have all the answers Dan Allender noted that our suffering and our sins in life are often what reveals Christ to others. That we need to to dive into every part of life because when we do that, we testify to the rescue of God because we rely on God in the depths of our suffering, in the depths of our trials, and he, and he brings us out of it, and he walks by us through it, and he's with us. And it's all the wonder of grace that people see unfold. And it makes them say, I want what that person has. How do you get through this? You know, I'm going through this over here. How do I get through this? And it's amazing how his story will be told. We all have opportunities to come and to bring our burdens to the cross. And often the time when we do that most is when we are diverted from who we truly are. You know, we can see ourselves a certain way, but often we end up being the person that others want us to be. I'm a Braves fan, I admit it. It's not always a great thing to watch them play, but I'm faithful. Anybody out there give me an amen? Okay, I got a few. Yesterday, during the rain delay... The TV kept going, and all of a sudden they're telling the story of John Schmoltz, and I got taken in by the story of John Schmoltz. 
And he talked about how, as a kid, he wanted to play for the Detroit Tigers more than anything. That was his home state. That was his dream team. He'd gotten a piece of the sod when they won the, the World Series. He, he, um, he went home and planted it in his yard. He, he put Tigers logos everywhere, and he followed his dream. And one day he got drafted to the Detroit Tigers. And he got out there to play, and things didn't go so well. That happened again and again and again. And the coaches worked with him, and they kept saying, throw it this way. You know, you need to do this in your delivery. Things got bad, and next thing you know, he's on a plane to Atlanta to the Braves. First thing Leo Mazzoni did he took him out to the field, and he put him on the mound, and he said, I want you to throw the ball the way you want to throw the ball. He did. Boom, dead center. Can you do it again? Boom, dead center. Hit the strike zone time after time after time, and he said, son, I don't get it. And he said, you told me to throw it the way I know how to throw it. The way I'm, I've learned to throw it. And he said, well, by all means, keep throwing it that way. A few years later, the Tigers pitching coach was talking to Leo Mazzoni, and he said, I don't understand. John wasn't so great when he was with us. What happened between Detroit and Atlanta? Did they give him some kind of miracle thing on the plane or something? And... and Leo said, I let him be who he is. Don't forget who you are. It matters who you are. You know, we, we are, just as the psalmist says, we are fearfully, we are wonderfully made. Michael Wood tells us that our story is told before our life even begins. And it's amazing to think that, as the psalmist wrote, that we are formed by the God who loves us before we ever even begin to make our debut here. And somewhere in the midst of genetics and cellular development and all the, the growth that takes place in the gestation of a child, God is forming a miracle, and that miracle is you. And you're a person with gifts and talents and graces and the power and the ability to, through your life story, tell his story. Eric Ludy says that a great life is not the result of a formula perfectly followed, but rather of a life wholly trusted to God, that God is impressed with daily acts of surrender and the desire to know him more. We need to be still. We need to know that he is God, that he's good. doesn't matter what we encounter. God is still good. He's still walking with us. There may be times when you need to step aside and, and partake in a, in a spiritual practice, whether it's Scripture reading, whether it's prayer, whether it's 
Ironmen for the guys that meet during the week, or it's the Romeos for the guys that meet um, the older guys. I guess that's the older version of Ironmen. Sound about right? If you don't know who the Romeos are, go up to Redneck on what morning is it? Wednesday morning. They'll, they'll let you know exactly who they are. They're great guys. But we have to stop. We have to take a minute. Allender teaches workshops about how to redeem your story. Of course, it's Christ who redeems your story. But the workshops help us to learn to read our story and write our story in such a way that we see God in it even more prominently than we did before, kind of like from how we see life as a kindergartner to a senior in high school to a person in their 40s and on. One of the things that he suggests is a period of fasting. I know Joanne's talked with y'all some about fasting. This is his advice. Fasting from any nourishment, activity, involvement, or pursuit for any season sets the stage for God to appear. It's not a tool to pry wisdom out of God's hands or to force needed insight about a decision. It's not a tool for gaining discipline or developing piety, whatever that is. Instead, fasting is the bulimic act of ridding ourselves of our fullness to attune our senses to the mysteries that swirl in and around us. Through it all, through all our life, we are reminded of the greater purpose that each of us is born to fulfill, created to fulfill, to bear witness to the grace of love and God. John Piper was addressing a campus outreach um, seminar on glorifying God, and he was talking about what a wonderful organization they are with kingdom men and women being raised and transformed through the efforts. And, and he, he defined glorifying God as feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect God's greatness. Greatness that makes much of God, that gives evidence of the supreme greatness of all of God's attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of his imperfections of his, I'm sorry, of his manifold perfections. For Piper, glorifying God is the ultimate, absolute, all-pervasive reason for being everything that we are, and I'm quoting him, doing everything we do for the reason that you glorify God is that in everything, God glorifies God. We're called to tell our life story. Francesca Battistelli said it right, wrote a story, uh, wrote a song called Write Your Story. I'm going to close with these words. Think about who the center of your life is. What is the central theme in your life? Think about who you are. And don't forget. Think about the ways that you can be still and know and get rid of all the things 
the fullness of yourself so that God can appear. These are the words of the song. They say you're the king of everything, the one who taught the wind to sing, the source of the rhythm, my heart keeps beating. They say you can give the blind their sight and you can bring the dead to life. You can be the hope my soul has been seeking. I want to tell you now, Lord, that I believe. I believe that you can make me new, for I'm an empty page. I'm an open book. Write your story on my heart. Come on and make your mark. You're the author of my hope, the maker of the stars. Let me be your work of art. My life, I know it's never really been mine, so do with it whatever you will, Lord. I don't know what your plan is, but I know it's good. You're the author of hope. You're the giver of grace. Would you pray with me? Father, whatever transitions we are facing this day, we give the pen to you to write the story that is the story that you intended for us. For if, if we try to write our story without you, it's just simply not going to unfold well or in the way that you would have it to unfold. And so we ask you, Lord, take that pen, write the story, help us to see who we are so that when we read our story, when we tell our story, when we live our story through our life, that people will see you, that they'll not just see a God who is arbitrary and ignores when bad things happen, but they see a God who is there through everything. A God who sent his son, yes, to die on the cross, but also to rise again. That's what we want to testify to. That's what we want our story to tell. God, every single step that we make and as we take a step out of this place today let it begin a new journey for each of us